episode number 227 of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. I am on a mission to create an emotionally equipped world. I created two simple step-by-step tools that empower you in your life and in your relationships so you can be calm, be in control, and feel better in any moment. I'm the author of two award-winning books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. You can learn more about these books and more by heading over to my website, shiragura.com. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, and now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So for those of you who commented on last week's episode about getting clear before going on vacation, I want to just say thank you. Apparently, it really resonated with a bunch of you, and I'm really glad that it gave you some food for thought for your own lives and for your future vacations. I also received a comment this week, which was posted on my website. It was the episode on giving the benefit of the doubt. It came from Ismael. He wrote, I stopped listening to your podcast for about two months, and today I just felt stuck and not really sure how to move on with my day. And sure enough, I hear your story and boom, it's like a switch in my head that lets me get unstuck. I'm still working trying to be emotionally equipped. So Ismail, thank you for writing and thank you for your honesty. I'm really glad that you tuned into the podcast just in the right time. And I'm so glad that that episode that you turned into created that light switch to go off in your head. I really love that metaphor. And I totally hear you regarding working through getting emotionally equipped. This is a lifetime practice. It's not a one-time pill to swallow. And I really want to encourage you to continue listening to this podcast and getting the books and definitely enrolling in the course, which you can find over on my website. Getting emotionally equipped has the potential to take you a long way. And getting emotionally equipped is not just about knowledge, it's about practice, because the tools work when you use them. Okay, my dear friends, we are at the end of August, and I'm visiting my family in the States, which if you've been listening to the episodes of this month, you will already have known about that because I've shared stories from this visit. And last week, I decided to cut my visit short. I had a lot of reasons, but mostly what was on my mind was that while we had a great visit, all great visits need to come to an end. And school is starting, and we need to go into quarantine when we get back, and I really want my kids, and me actually, just to get back into the swing of life. So my stuck story for today actually has to do with that decision. So you ready for the story? In order to board our flight back to Israel, Passengers need to take what's called a PCR test. This is a COVID test that you need to take to prove that you are not carrying the virus. So I'm familiar with this test because we took it before we flew to the United States. And now we need to do it again to go back into Israel. When I arranged for that test in Israel, it wasn't really a big deal right? We just needed to bring our passports and we had to pay for the test. And the line even wasn't too long. It was kind of quick and easy. And here too, it feels like the same thing. I made an appointment with the local CVS pharmacy. And actually, I'm going to be doing the test the day that I'm recording this episode. 
But because we are just visiting the States and we don't have regular health insurance, things are a bit different for us. And on the website, it said we needed to provide our social security number. Now, I actually knew this information because my daughter had just visited and she was told the same thing. And so when she flew to the United States, I ensured that she had her social security card. And my husband returned back to Israel just the week before, and I gave him his social security card to be able to go through this test. I really came prepared. That being said, when we came here about a month ago, I couldn't find my social security card. I was able to find the five cards of my other family members, but I couldn't find mine. And I told myself that when I got here, I would take care of that, like I would get a replacement card. But I didn't. I just kept pushing it off, thinking I would get to it. Needless to say, I didn't. And so when I was making these PCR tests one by one, right, one for me and then one for each of my three boys, I got nervous that they wouldn't let me take the test, which would mean I would get stuck here and not able to go home, which is not exactly what I'm looking to do. And so in that slight state of panic, I googled, I lost my social security card what do I do? And lots and lots of sites popped up. So I clicked on the first one, and it basically calmed me down, saying, you know, not to worry, they can offer this replacement card immediately. And so I started to fill out the form. What's your name? What's your social security number? What's your date of birth? What's your address? Okay, do you see where I'm going with this? I just kept plugging away answering whatever they were asking me. And when I got to the last page of the form, it asked for payment, either $37 for this digital replacement card or $97 for an actual card that could be sent to me within 24 hours. And I just stared at that page. And then suddenly something hit me. Like, I realized, wait a minute, this website is not even an official social security website. Like, maybe this is scam. And I just sat at the screen, not quite sure what to do, because if I didn't have my card, I wouldn't be able to fly. And on the other hand, I was feeling unsure about this website. And then I thought about my husband, who just left the week before, and that I was like, wait a minute, I don't even think he took the card with him when he took his test. And so I decided to close the website and just hope for the best. Fine. But the next day came and I received an email from this website, even though I never clicked submit, right? I never paid for this service that they were offering, but they emailed me, which means they got my information or they at least got some of my information. And, you know, they were like trying to pressure me to complete the form and that I could get my card immediately and I would save $7 and that I had eight hours to complete the form if I wanted the discount, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, shit. (laughs) This is when I really had a feeling that this was scam. And again, I didn't give my credit card, but I know they got the rest of my personal information because they emailed me. So the next day, I'm at my brother and sister-in-law's house, and I start sharing the story to my sister-in-law, who happens to be very smart. 
And it seems like she always knows either the right thing to say or the right thing to do, even in random situations like this. So her response was like, oh, you should just contact Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. (laughs) And I'm like, what? And she's like, oh, they're credit bureaus. And you can freeze your accounts and you can put a flag alert on them. So if someone tries to open anything in your name, you'll be protected. And I'm like, oh, I never had this happen to me before, so I wasn't familiar with it. She even taught me how to check if a website is scam, and apparently the one I filled out probably was. Now, my sister-in-law is pretty level-headed, and she calmed me down as I was feeling kind of anxious in that moment. And she was saying that most likely this website that I filled out the form, it was probably more interested in getting like quick and easy money from me rather than opening up credit cards or whatever else it might be in my name. But still, I wanted to do the right thing to protect myself, and I did. I went through those websites that she taught me about, and I did the freezing of the accounts and the flagging alert for my name and all of that. And while I did take responsibility, I have to say, I was still feeling stuck the rest of the day. I was having these flashbacks of like sitting in my parents' bedroom, which was where the computer is, you know, signing up for this PCR test as quickly as I could to try to get four appointments in a row in order to save time and just reading through everything too quickly. Now I know I don't even need my stupid social security card. I just need the number and my passport. Had I been calm when I was making those appointments, I would have seen that. And so I was stuck on regret, and I'm going to walk you through how I got unstuck from that feeling. S, I took a stop. I went over to the couch, I laid down, I closed my eyes, and I just took a few deep breaths. T, I told myself I was stuck on regret, and I allowed myself to feel that feeling. By the way, there's lots of ways you can allow yourself to feel an emotion. You can cry, you can punch a pillow, you can scream. This time, I just buried my head in my hands and I let myself stay there for a few moments to really feel the regret and shame that I was feeling. You, uncover. I believed that I totally screwed up. Is that true? No, I didn't totally screw up. I made a mistake and, you know, I can take responsibility for that. I also uncovered that I shouldn't have done what I did. Now, this is a hard one for many people, but this is what I always say to myself and to other people when the word should shows up in a belief statement. I say to them, I actually should have done what I did because that's what happened. In other words, Who am I to say what should or should not have happened? I'm not God. If it happened that way, apparently it should have happened that way because it did happen that way. Again, I know this is not an easy concept to grasp, but this is how I work through those should beliefs. See, I considered that people make mistakes. They speak quickly. They react automatically. They make bad decisions. But there's nothing worse than living with regret. Living with regret can literally eat you up from the inside. And this is something we can choose to do. And we can also choose not to do. When we live with regret, no one is actually pointing a gun at our head, forcing us to live with regret. We're doing that on our own, but it never helps. 
it doesn't help to look backwards unless you're going in that direction, which I don't think you are. We're not supposed to be going backwards in life. We're supposed to be moving forwards. And so instead of living with regret, you can consider learning from the past and then deciding how you would do things differently for the future. It's really the only choice I can see that will help you feel better in that moment. And that's exactly what I did. I left a message for my husband just to notify him, which I would do anyway, but we happened to be in the midst of trying to sell our home in New Jersey, and I was a little hesitant for a moment that this may affect things. He was a bit blown away by the entire story, but he didn't make me feel any worse than I already was, for which I was grateful. And while I totally could go into this like self-pity party and get stuck on feeling stupid and stuck on being naive and all of that, I'm not going there. I'm consciously choosing not to go there. I made a mistake, I took responsibility for it, and now I'm moving on with my life. No regrets. And so, my dear friends, I'd like to invite you today to consider where in your life can you consider living with no regrets? Where may have you made a mistake or wished you would have done things differently? And rather than staying stuck in regret, you can instead consider learning from the past and deciding how you want to move forward so that you don't live with regrets. Or another way to live without regrets is to decide ahead of time what it is you want to create in your life and start working towards that thing, even today, even now, in this very moment, so that when your life is complete, you can say you lived without regrets. This is big, my friends, and this is not necessarily easy. But don't forget, the unstuck method is not about the five easy steps to emotional well-being, but rather the five simple steps to emotional well-being. And those steps require practice, lots of it. In fact, daily practice so that you can keep waking up to the life that you're living and you can really start to live deliberately. Okay, my dear friends, that is my story for this week. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as always, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend or family member who may not know much about podcasting. If they need help, please show them how to subscribe to the show and how they can leave a review. And if you aren't yet subscribed to my newsletter, make sure you do sign up by visiting my website, shiragura.com. I look forward to being with you again next week.